Now, if you're visiting with us, my beautiful wife is our women's pastor, and we call her the mother of the house. She's always calling this the house, so we call her the mother of the house. So she is going to share an awesome, fantastic word with us today. I'm telling you, you are in store from some real, for some real, real gospel. So I'm about to introduce my wife right now. Uh, her name is Alicia, but she is our women's pastor. She's Pastor Alicia to all of you here. She's so cute, isn't she? You know what that ovation is? Because you have to be married to me. So they're like, you're incredible. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day. And I want every woman to know whether you've had natural born kids or not, you qualify as a mother because you are a spiritual mother to many. And I know a lot of times when you feel like you haven't had kids, you don't qualify. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. You do qualify. You are an amazing and awesome mom, a spiritual mom. Hallelujah. Give it up for all the moms in the house. And I want to give a special shout out to all of you who showed up today, maybe for the first time, to let your mom know that you love her. You came here, it's not your normal thing to do. And so for you, I say thank you. Thank you for blessing your mom and showing up. Amen. Um, I'm gonna deliver God's word. I'm not gonna say it's my word, because my word would have been very different so before I start, I'm going to open us up in prayer. If you just bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. And right now, we choose to rejoice and be glad. Father, I just thank you for loosing the Holy Spirit in this place and doing what only you can do. Bring healing and restoration, peace and joy to every heart in the room. And I just thank you that right now, you just gently move me aside and speak through me. Just use me to convey your word, your truth. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I sat before God this week, and I said, Lord, what would you have me give for Mother's Day? I'm so honored and privileged to be able to stand before you and give you God's word, God's truth. And as I sat before God, he said, you're going to be real because the best mom is a real mom. And I said, all right, can I just deliver one of those wonderful, real Proverbs 31 messages? And God said, no. I want you to give a message from your heart. And it's very funny because that's the one thing that I've struggled with most of my life is being open, honest, real, vulnerable. 
And um, last week I had the privilege, I always count it a privilege and an honor when I get to share God's word. I was at my girlfriend's church delivering a message. And God had me just keep it real. Because the whole message was on intimacy with God. And I said, why would you have me share on a topic that is so challenging to my heart? Because I know that God wants to set me free more and more and more. And if you're in the house today, that is his intent, to make sure you get more and more free. This isn't just a Mother's Day word. This is a word that is relatable and applicable to everyone in the house here this morning. So as I got before God and I said, all right, download to me what you would have me speak. And immediately, Psalm 51.6 came to my heart, and I love what it says. It says, behold, you desire truth in the inner being. Make me therefore to know wisdom in my inmost heart. As I got before God and he gave me this verse, and he said, you're going to keep it real because the best mom is a real mom, indeed the best person is a real person, real meaning open, honest, vulnerable, forthright, someone that's going to give you the real, genuine deal. And it's funny because my name means truthful, truthful one, which initially when I discovered that that's what my name meant, I said, well, isn't this funny? Isn't this a joke? Because the honest truth was I was anything but honest, open, vulnerable, sincere. Not that I didn't mean to be. I wanted to be because those are such lovely qualities. But I didn't know how to be. And I struggled. And I said, God, you're going to need it to help me. And so with Psalm 51.6, God lovingly shares what it means to be real. He desires truth within our inmost being, deep within here, not out here, but in here. Truth that's real within side, deep within. And I love what it says, make me to know wisdom in my inmost heart. Wisdom not knowledge, wisdom. I have a lot of knowledge. I know the right thing to do. I've been in his house for almost 30 years. I've been in his word. I know his truth, so I'm filled with knowledge. But God doesn't want knowledge from me. He wants wisdom. He wants that knowledge to go to the next level. Because when you're doing what God calls you to do, when you're being open, honest, vulnerable, forthright, real, we've just moved from that place of knowledge to wisdom. So God says, I desire wisdom in that inmost part of you. Again, struggle, challenge, which you'd never know. Because for years, I had the mask on. I am a great queen of the masquerade. I don't mean to be, but it's just all I knew. 
So I said, God, well, what does this look like? Well, Psalm 51 was written by King David. King David actually wrote Psalm 51 a year after he committed adultery and murder. A year later, Psalm 51 was born out of a real, repentant, vulnerable place. Because if we can't get real with God, real, and share how we feel, and give up our sins and our mistakes and our failures and our shortcomings, we can't receive what he desires to give us most, and that's his forgiveness. Because without forgiveness, you'll never shake the shame, the guilt, the condemnation, the low self-esteem. You'll never shake it. It's a part of you. So God was doing a work in King David's life. It took him a while, and I can relate to that. It took me quite a while to get from where I was to where I needed to be. And even standing before you here today was such a journey. It's such a journey. And you know what I love about this journey? It gets better and better and better. That's why you never give up. You never give up. You just, you know what? If you fall down, you get up and you keep going. You don't give up. Really, it's really not an option. I mean, of course, it's always an option, but not for us. It's not an option, right? So as I'm looking at this psalm and knowing that God desires truth within our inmost heart, I said, all right, God, show me, show me other places in the Bible where people got real. And of course, Hannah came to mind. And isn't it interesting? My daughter was home the other day, and she had gone to a Bible study, and she was sharing with me about Hannah. And as she's sharing that with me, I go, wow, this is so perfect because this has been on my heart and mind for just a good week or so now. And I said, isn't that perfect? So I went over to 1 Samuel, and I looked at the story of Hannah. And the truth is, it starts off as such a sad story, but it really winds up being an amazing, wonderful, joyful story. Here's Hannah. She's married to a priest, Elkanah. She's married to him. She's in the temple because every year they go up to the temple and they sacrifice. So here she is going up to the temple, and it should be a happy time, and she's in the temple crying. She's pouring out her heart to God, and she's crying. Why is she crying? Because she just wants a baby. She just wants a baby. So she's crying, and she's talking to God, and she's like, why? Why does my wife-in-law, I don't know what else to call Penina, lovingly we'll call her Penny, but the other wife, does that make her a wife-in-law? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. But she's got so many babies, and she's like, I'm in your house. I'm getting real with you. Why don't I have any babies? That's all I want. That's my heart's desire. So she's crying. And the priest, Eli, comes over to her. And he goes, shame on you that you should be in God's house drunk like that. And she's like, I'm not drunk. She says, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. 
I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul to the Lord. She was getting real. She was in a bad place. And you know what? Everyone in this room can relate to that. You've all been in a bad place. You don't know what else to do. So you get before God, or maybe you don't know yet to get before God, but that's the place where you pour out your heart. So there she was pouring out her heart. And the priest Eli came over and he said, you know what? God has heard the petitions of your heart and he will grant you a baby. This time next year, you will have your baby. Happy ending to what started out as a pretty sad story. And then I said, all right, God, what else do you have about people being real that we can relate to? And we move over to Mark, the fifth chapter. My husband always lovingly says, really, you're going to go there again with that lady? I go, I love that lady. She's one of my favorite Bible ladies. It's the woman with the issue of blood. You know why I love her? Because she's real. She's real. We start the scene like this. Here's a woman who's had a physical issue. She's had a malady for 12 years. She has not felt right. She's had a flow of blood for 12 years, which has got to be the most draining, emotionally, physically, spiritual condition you can have, not feeling right for 12 years. I just shared the other day. I said, honey, you got to read this. I got a text from my sister-in-law, his sister. I said, happy birthday. Hope you're having a great birthday. And she texted me back. I feel like dying. I feel like killing myself. I've had Lyme's disease for the past three years, and I just want to die. Horrible place. She just hasn't felt right in three years. And I keep saying, we're going to go over, we're going to visit her. And every time I say we're coming over, she's like, my house is a mess. I haven't got to clean. I go, I'm not coming to do a home inspection. I'm coming to see you. We're coming to pray with you. We're coming to love on you and to encourage you and let you know that God is the healer. But the reality is when you don't feel right, you don't feel right. And you know what? For some of us, maybe it's not physical. Maybe it's emotional or spiritually. You go in and out of depression. You just don't feel right at times. Well, this woman didn't feel right, but all around her, she heard that there was a healer out there. There was a healer out there. And so she said, I don't care what the cost is because this is a life or death decision that she's about to make. She's going out into the public. You're not allowed out into the public with this condition. But she said, you know what? I'm going to die if I stay in my house. I'm going to risk it all. She goes out. And she does the miraculous. She gets close to Jesus, and she touches the hem of his garment. She touches it because she, she's heard that people who touch Jesus get close to him, get a healing. She goes, I need my healing. I can't live like this one more day. It's destroying me. So she touches him. She gets a healing, and all of a sudden, Jesus goes, stop. Everybody stop. There's a crowd. Stop. Who just touched me right now? Who touched me right this minute? And everyone's like, seriously, are you kidding, Jesus? Like, there's a million people out here. He goes, no, somebody just touched me because power went out of me. 
here comes the woman. All of a sudden, but the woman, knowing what had been done for her, though alarmed and frightened and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. You got to get those two words, the whole truth. She told him. Now listen to me. We've got King David who's talking with God, confessing with God. We've got Hannah who's in the temple. She's pouring her heart out to the Lord. Now we have this woman who goes a step further. Not only is she going to tell Jesus her whole story, but there's a crowd around. There's a crowd of people around. And she, although frightened, frightened. You've heard this before. Do it afraid. Do it afraid, right? How many times your kids come up to you or someone comes up to you and they go, I'm afraid. I can't do it. I'm afraid. And you go, then do it afraid. Just do it afraid. Do it. So here she is, just a vulnerable woman who falls down trembling, afraid, and she starts telling her whole story. I don't know what her whole story is, but I know what my whole story is. And God said, if you have the courage, share your story. Because someone came up to me last week, and they said, I've been coming to this church for a couple years now. And if I hadn't heard you share last Saturday at that meeting a little bit about yourself, I never would have known your story. And I thought, wow, I feel like I always share my story, but maybe not. So God said, go ahead, share your story because your story is powerful. Your story has the capability of setting people free because fear keeps us all bound. Fear keeps us somewhere back here. We're afraid to come forth and be open, honest, and vulnerable. So my story is simply this. And before I even start my story, I just want to say that I am so happy that my mom is in the house. Everyone give it up for my mom. She is a wonderful mother. She's caring. She's thoughtful. She's generous. She's supportive. She's encouraging. She's an amazing, awesome mom, and I'm blessed to have her in my life. Hallelujah. So my story, which I know is going to help you, I grew up the middle of three children. My mother was very young when she had me. She actually, in those days, met up with my father. She got pregnant. And in those days, you had to get married. It wasn't an option. So she married my dad, and she had the three of us. She was only 20 when she had me. My father was very damaged, damaged. He grew up the oldest of four kids in an alcoholic family, a very wealthy alcoholic family. He watched his parents drink and fight, and there was an incident 
where his parents were fighting so bad in a drunken stupor that his father took a knife and slit his mother's throat. She just grabbed a kitchen towel, put it over her throat, and said, someone call 911. This is the kind of home he grew up in. Damaged, a mess, nobody dealing with how they felt. There was no realness. There was no openness, no honesty, no vulnerability. This was everyone just running to alcohol. And you know, we all run to something. If we're not going to deal with our stuff, we're all going to run to something. That's a natural human response. Nobody wants to feel pain. Most of us are trying to run from that pain, and we're just trying to numb ourselves out. I get that. I understand that completely. So this was my damaged father. My mother grew up in a household of wonderful immigrants, European immigrants. They came over here trying to make a way, and they were hardworking, blue-collar immigrants. But my grandfather was an alcoholic. So all she knew was an alcoholic father. So when she met up with my father, it was familiar, made sense. I grew up with that. That's what I know. You don't think through these things when you're not dealing with your stuff. You just do. So as a little kid, I remember police coming to the door, trying to get in. My mother's out there working, trying to make money just to feed us. And I just remember the police at the door, and she'd be at the door back over there, just open up the door. He's in there with the kids. And he just, he was a mess, my father. Somewhere around five or six years old, she left him. She left him, and now she's a single mom with three kids. And you know what? She's trying to make a way. I get you single moms. You're just trying to make a way. You're just, you've got to do what you need to do to keep this thing afloat. So she's out there, and of course she would just leave us wherever someone would take care of us and watch us. What is she going to do? She needed to be out there. And there was always times here and there where people would touch me inappropriately. As a little kid, I knew it was wrong. I'm a little kid. I don't know. I'm stuck in this place, and someone's touching me here, and someone's touching me there. And we all have distinct personalities. Some of us, the minute someone touches you, you yell and scream. Other people, like me, I don't know why, I go inward. I stuff it all in. So when anything happens to me, I just go inward. I hate that about my personality, but that's my personality. Well, my mother meets up with her second husband. He whisks her off her feet. I mean, here she is, a mother of three little kids trying to make it. She marries him. Within a year or so of their being married, my stepfather is touching me. And he's touching me. And I'm a kid. I don't know what to do. I go inward. I'm keeping it all in. Maybe it's my fault. What did I do? Shame. Fear, condemnation, everything is coming on me. I'm just a kid. I'm acting out now. Now I'm in high school doing all those things that we don't want our kids to do. But I'm running. I don't know how to deal with this. This is my reality. And it's not like I have anyone going, come here, share your feelings with me. We just have a damaged household. And it's nothing to do with my mom. It's nobody's fault. It is what it is. So here we are. I'm just a kid, and I go into college, and I practically lived at the pub because I just have to numb this thing. I can't deal with what happened to me. 
I'm 26. I meet this amazing man right here in the front row. <laughs> Amen. And we get married. And I tell him a little bit, a little bit here and a little bit there. I never really give up the ghost because it's buried. It's entrenched in me. It's buried so deep. What I really want to do is just bury it so deep it goes away. But stuff doesn't go away. Nothing goes away. So as the years go on and we have our kids, I recognize there were so many times. He was like, honey, just talk with them. Be real. What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means, be real. I don't even know what it, to identify real. But you know what? I know there were times where I just would sit with my kids and I'd give up a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And every time I gave up a little something, I felt free from it. I felt free from the power of it. Until finally, some of you know this and some of you don't, maybe seven years ago, I literally had a breakdown. A breakdown? Aren't you Pastor Alicia? Yeah. Pastor Alicia had a breakdown. Doesn't even make sense, does it? Well, you're in the house of God, and you love God, and you're in Bible study, you're in church, and you know what? I was never really dealing with how I felt. You know what? That inner truth in the inmost heart was buried somewhere deep, and I could never get real. I could never get free, and it just snapped. I snapped. I broke. And it was from that moment forth that I began the process of my healing. God made a way for me to hook up with a wonderful man of God, a counselor. And I would go every week and sit in his office and cry. I'd go the next week. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. It was so painful. It was all that stuff buried in me, and I had to deal with it. But I knew if I didn't deal with it, I would stay damaged the rest of my life. And I can't give what I don't have. If I'm not real, I can't help anyone else. So I would go, and I would cry. And I would cry. Hated going. Gave up more stuff. I didn't even know that there was stuff in there. It was buried so deep. The hurt, the damage, the wound, the pain. Until one Friday, I didn't cry. I go, what's going on right now? And then I went back the next week, and there was another Friday, and I didn't cry. And this went on for a little bit, and I realized at that moment, I said, I'm getting my healing. I said, I am on my journey to getting my healing. Because in my mind, I thought I was okay, because I, I reached out and I touched the hem of his garment. I touched the hem of his garment almost 30 years ago. I did that. And I was like, I'm okay, I'm all right. But what I never did was tell my whole story, tell the whole truth. Because only in getting real and open and honest and vulnerable does it break the power of it. Because there's some evil power that's in there as long as it stays in there. You're always ashamed. You're always afraid that someone's going to find something out. 
You know what? Now somebody can say, well, I, f I heard you had two abortions when you were young. Yeah, I did. What's your story? You know what? I heard you got in a cop car, fingerprinted, handcuffed. I go, yeah, I did. What's your story? What do you got? It doesn't have any power over me anymore. And it was such a process. But I stand here today telling you that story because God impressed on me. If you're not real, what are you? Like, who are you? What are you? Are you just a person that's sitting in a church chair with your mask on? Don't you appreciate people who are real? Don't you love when they, they're just real. You go, oh my gosh. And you know what? I know this, that as bad as my story is, I'm not bad. That story doesn't define me. And I know for years I didn't want to even share it because I felt so ashamed. Somehow the enemy had me convinced that it was my fault. It was my fault all that happened to me. I was a kid. I didn't know any better. And you know what? I stand before you to tell you that it's not your fault if something bad happened to you. As shameful as it was, God's not ashamed of you. There's no shame on you. But only when you release your story, only when you get real before God, feel how you feel, express how you feel, it's those of us who keep it all in. Keep it all in. I did that for years, and I'm here to tell you, I was never going to get my healing as long as I did that. So whatever your story is, whatever you went through, whatever you're going through, you always need not just to go to God and confess it, but it really does say in James that we confess to one another. It says, confess to one another and be healed. Oh, you know what? I spent years going to God. I go, I'm all right. I got God. I'm going to God. It really didn't work for me. The truth is, how's that working for you? It doesn't really work. So this morning, I share with you one last scripture, which is so freeing, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 4. And I love what it says. Rather, let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. We need to express truth from our inmost heart. And you know what? A lot of times you just ask someone, how you doing? How you really doing? How you really doing? This morning, as I came in here, I asked someone that. I said, how you doing? She goes, I'm doing terrible. I go, amen. amen. <laughs> Be real. Be real. I love this. I'm going to do a cat in the hat moment. Watch this. When you are real and you really deal with how you feel, it's like a cat in the hat moment. You will get your healing. You will heal. You will heal. You will heal.
Amen. And even as I stand here, I'm so aware that my mother's in the front row, and my intent is never, ever to make her feel bad. Because what happens to you is nobody's fault. And I know that what happened to me, God cried every time something bad was happening. If he could have jumped out of heaven and come down and rescued me, he would have done that. But I love this comforting verse in Genesis. It's in the 50th chapter when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. He says, what the enemy intended for harm, God worked it out, turned it around for my good. And I love that. God's working right now. He's always working. Whether or not you perceive him at work, he's working. He's working for your good and his glory. And he wants you healed so desperately that whatever it takes to get you from where you're at to where you need to be, God will make a way. God will make a way. For me, it was a breakdown. But you know what? He got me from where I was to where I needed to be because he wanted me healed. You shall know the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That truth is there to set you free. Hallelujah. Amen. You could be seated right now. It's my wife and my heart that everyone here would know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you die tonight, are you 100% sure you'll spend eternity in heaven? Have you experienced God's healing power in your life? Have you touched the hem of his garment? There's a way to pray and to receive eternal life. We do it here every Sunday. We see a multitude of people come to Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity today. If you would bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Remember that question I asked. If you died, are you 100% sure you spent eternity in heaven? If not, say this prayer with us and believe it. And you'll have eternal life. Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed for the mistakes you've made. So say this. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sin. Three days later, you raised him from the dead that I could have a new life. Jesus, come into my heart. Make me brand new today. Amen.